Buying or selling a home? Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at homie.com. Gary Anderson coming up at 8.30. We'll talk with the Aggie football coach then. Got a question up here at our Facebook page, and people have been weighing in on it this morning. In the same week, an African-American spoke in general conference for the first time. Another will start at QB for BYU for the first time. How about that? It's awesome, man. I know around people around here, people don't like to see that. But you talk to an African American, and I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Now I didn't see the man's listen to the man's speech. What's his name? Uh, something Johnson, Elder Johnson. So I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it. I was. As you guys know, on Sundays I go to the mountain. Go to the mountaintop. Yeah. Commune. Right. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't. Where I was at the mountain, I didn't have either a lot of Wi-Fi or a lot of Nephi. I had neither when I was up there, so I was a- unable to hear the man's talk. But I got down, saw it on social media. People are excited, man, about especially if they look like him. That matters, and I know most white people they don't want to talk about it. And gonna, but this Sisters in Zion stuff that I've seen on Twitter. They're just running around. They're just as giddy as two black women. They're giddy as two uh, LDS black women. They're as giddy as can be that this happened here. And uh, so I put that out there. And the same way, and I think it's significant that BYU is going to start Jaron Hall. And Ayak, you put it out last week, right? The first African-American quarterback has ever played for BYU? To start a game. To start a game? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Be like, wow, blah, blah, blah. yeah. I can remember when I worked for the Watchdog in 2005, and Utah State and Utah started African American quarterbacks. You may remember. Obviously, you know Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. Leon Jackson was the other guy up in Logan, and it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It may not be a big deal to Joe White guy. They just want to win the game. We, but we have that. We, of course, they're, we they're white, <laughs> and white people are so Dan- hesitant, generally speaking, to talk about race. Daniel. Who honestly cares? Yeah, BYU it, just needs to win. Except a lot of African-American people care. Yes. They care. We yes. saw on the mall when President Obama, and I realize in his quarterback to president is a big difference. I get that. But I can remember working in the Daily Breeze sports room with Eric Stevens, who covers the Ducks now, the Mighty Ducks for the Orange County Register. He's an African-American, been a friend of mine for 30 years. And we're doing a desk shift one night, and he sees two black guys anchoring ESPN. Meant nothing to me, but he commented on it and how cool that was. And you would have to be incredibly naive to think that BYU has never been a victim of negative recruiting on this topic. And so while it would be easy for a Uter Aggie fan to say, well, welcome to the party 15 years too late, or for a University of Washington fan to say, welcome to the party 40 years too late, or whatever, still... You're going to be hearing, and, and guys you want to recruit are going to be hearing, why do you want to go there? It's all white people. They're never going to be comfortable. And if the coach knows the fact, they will throw it out. You realize they've never had a black guy at quarterback? Now, 30 years ago, there were a lot of colleges who that was true of, and so people couldn't say it because it was also true of them. But over time, that's changed, and negative recruiting, lots of people tell you it never happens. That they never do it, but a lot of people tell you it always happens to them. And so, of course, BYU recruits have been told stuff like that. Yeah, I think And this doesn't this change everything, but it's one more 
It's one more thing BYU won't have to listen to. It's significant. It's not significant to you. I understand it. But it's significant to the greater you. And here's this kid. I hope he just lights it up, man. Obviously, we're excited for him. And he is an incredible athlete that can play two college sports at basically the same time. Just by doing that, that sets you apart. And there's not that many guys who want to do that or can do that. And it's pretty cool that he played a little baseball last year. We'll see if he's able to do it. If he ends up uh, needing to concentrate on football, what have you, maybe he has to make a decision somewhere along the line. But yeah, I think it's it's groundbreaking. And if it's twenty five years too late, it's thirty. Well, it's better than never. <laughs> <laughs> better than a hundred years too late. Better than three hundred years too late. Better so, than yes. And maybe it does open doors down the road. Landon says, in another news, the Utah Jazz have an Australian in the lineup. What a ridiculous question. Stay in your lane, DJ and PK. White guy. White guy. Yep. Yeah. I just clicked on his photo on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> well, night. Yeah, I know. You could probably give a portion of our listeners are. We understand the But see, I, don't, I just in. don't think it's a ridiculous question. I don't think you think. You, you don't have to recruit Landon, so you don't know the stuff the coaches have to hear. And all coaches will tell you they hear ridiculous stuff about their school. Recruiting's cutthroat. People say anything. All coaches will hear ridiculous stuff. Guarantee at some point, BYU coaches have had to answer for this. And now if Jaron goes out there and lights it up, that's one less thing. And there'll be something else. This isn't going to end negative recruiting, but it's one less thing they're going to have to hear. So it's not ridiculous. It is significant. It does matter. Yeah. Was Brian Johnson the first one there? For Utah, I don't know. And I don't know enough Utah football history, but I think the answer to that is yes, but I don't know. For so sure. somehow from 2004 to 2019, that's like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. And obviously they've had more than that. Terrence Kane and Tyler Huntley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and good, good on them, man. May the best man win. That's uh, the, way, the way it should be. But... It's it's interesting that the the black African American commentators they don't have any problem discussing it. and you hear about it with uh, with uh, what's his face Jackson over Baltimore you're hearing that now as far as somebody who's viewed as a runner always oh, viewed as a runner is that racist now nah, I mean a lot of particular listeners they don't see race they don't see yeah they don't see race he's, yeah. he's look around I can see why you don't see race because every one of your neighbors is white. So I can see why you don't see race, and you live in an exclusively white world. So of course you don't see it. Why would you see it? But this is a big deal, and it's groundbreaking. And it may not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to a lot of different people. I hope he succeeds and lights it up when he goes uh, down there to South Florida this coming week. This this would be way cool. I think it has, and it may be late, it may be this or that, but it has a level of social significance anytime these things happen. And sure, yeah, they've been going on for years, but we still hear about it. It's still an issue. Well, to your point about running and and Lamar Jackson, there was a press conference with him last week, and would you rather run? And it's all going to that. You're you're a black quarterback. You're going to run. You're not going to throw. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get knocked out of the NFL, like go down the list of— Robert Griffin. Robert Griffin would be a great example, yes. And and his answer is just kind of, well, I'd rather throw it than run it. That's easier. I'm less likely to get hurt. And just he was very matter-of-fact. It's just clear he's been through this. Oh, yeah. Well, we had like Deshaun Watson— yeah, I mean, go down. We can probably get a long list of quarterbacks here. Kaepernick. But, yeah. 
And so it may be too late, but it's still being discussed today as it was when you became aware of this press conference last week. It's 2019, not 1959. Apparently it's only awesome for you. <laughs> okay, better 2019 than 2029. I mean, <laughs> we sit in here, we, we break down forever all the issues that BYU to recruit the guys they need to win the games that their fans want to win, all the issues they have to overcome. So if something happens here that takes one bit of negative recruiting off the table, and they're still going to have to answer for 99 other things. But isn't it better to have that one? Why are people so sensitive about discussing these things? Sports, right? This is sports. <laughs> I know it is. I'm not sure, Matt says, I'm not sure I remember a more stupid question from this profile. Why are they so well, sensitive about this t- stuff? not your job to get on a plane and go fly to whatever city, to Texas, California, and recruit guys and, and have this thrown at you. This is great news. Why such negative reaction to great news? Mickey, irrelevant. Irrelevant to you. <laughs> to you. <laughs> but is it, is it really irrelevant? No, I don't think it... Well, I mean, every recruiting case is different. And every... I mean, we've been told what matters to one kid and matters to another. But to be told... I mean, what percentage of college football players are African-American? And to be recruiting a kid and to have that kid told by how many other assistant coaches at how many other schools, don't go there, you won't be comfortable. We're the majority, so it isn't news to us. But deep down, and Stephen A. Smith spoke about this, and I respect that guy. I find him wildly entertaining. I, I think people, when he goes on his angry rants, think he really is angry. He's just having fun. And he mentioned how, all things being equal, he's going to root for the African-American head coach. Fine. I've got no problem with that. Why wouldn't he? Why would, and he admitted it. Why, well, why wouldn't he? You don't think it's an issue to so many different people who've been in the minority for so many years? Of course it is. Ben just posted, as a top fan, I have to tell you, you need to board on this topic. This is awful radio. <laughs> What's the topic? Or, or, as, as a what fan? Excuse me? What is as it? a top fan. I guess he means like big fan. Oh, top. top. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, T.O.P. As a top fan, I have to tell you. This is awful radio. I would expect them to think that. I find it fascinating that they think that. Because it's too sensitive. They don't really want to delve into that this is groundbreaking. Mary, this should be a non-issue if there is no racism involved. Okay, it there should has be. been Great. right, right. Yeah. There should be, but we there agree. is, but there is racism involved. <laughs> I don't know why this isn't celebrated, though. That's that's what I find fascinating. Why people don't want to discuss it, don't want to acknowledge it, but really, it should be celebrated. This is great news. This is something that is heartwarming. Now he has to go out and perform well. Just being a starter and being African American, that's great and all, but you gotta play well. And we're all hopeful that the kid does play well. I mean it's great to see Tyler Huntley do what he's doing. I love the Tyler Huntley story. That's not a significant it, story. Black kid coming from Florida all the way across the country 
to a place where there's not a lot of like him and not only sticking it out through some hard times and injuries, getting a degree and flourishing to the level that he's flourished, that's not a heartwarming story. That's not going to help Utah down the line? Of course it is. <laughs> yes, How I don't do you get think it. recruiting works? <laughs> There's three states that have most of the talent, and the Utes, until recently, had no access to one of them. None. And recruiting's becoming more national. All the games are on everywhere. There's technology so kids can text, they can FaceTime, they can whatever, and stay in touch with friends and family wherever they go. And we're reading all these stories about SEC schools coming out to the West Coast and grabbing the best players. When Pac-12 teams are going to have to go get players out of Texas and Florida. There's too many players to just eliminate a whole pool of players. You can't do that to yourself. And BYU can't eliminate themselves from a whole pool of potential good players who can help them win games down the line. You, you can't just tell a whole group of people, okay, you're African-American, you can't play quarterback. You, you can't do that. But that's been the message, even if it hasn't been obvious to you, even if it hasn't been vocalized, what message do you think a black quarterback is absorbing out there? Especially if assistant coaches out of the schools are pointing it out, which they are. Yeah, even beside that, just the fact that this young man has been able to hone his skill and most likely work his butt off to be in a position to have this opportunity and if for no other reason, man, he didn't see the writing on the wall and then take off like so many of them do. So I was watching the Utah State game, and they had to fill time late in that game because that game was getting out of hand. And they put up a graphic of four top quarterbacks, four guys who all had the legitimate numbers. You can say, okay, you, it's early October. You're in the Heisman race. Three of them had transferred. Yeah. Ohio State's got an elite quarterback. He transferred from Georgia. Yeah, LSU's yeah. got an elite quarterback. That was, and they were doing the game, obviously, so that's why they bring it up. Well, he transferred from Ohio State. Right. Oklahoma's got an elite quarterback. He transferred from Alabama. Tua Tagovailoa is the only guy who signed the letter of intent and is still at the school and is the elite quarterback. Four elite quarterbacks in the country. Three of them have transferred. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they might as well get paid because it's already a professional situation. Uh, the amateurism of the fa- of that's gone out the window long ago, and these guys, you know, they got to showcase their skills to try to get to the NFL. I get it. I don't, I, I, mean, I have zero problem with it. I would make them immediately eligible rather than having a song and dance right. a waiver or sit out. And you, you know. can do it as a grad transfer. I think two of the three were grad transfers. Yeah, that's cool too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reason why they're getting their and then that I'm fine with that because they, at least they're getting their degree, even if they're only getting it, so they have the flexibility to leave if they want to. Who cares? Right, you still got it, <laughs> yeah. and you got it in three yeah. years. So right. you took some extra online classes, <laughs> right. you took some summer school. However, right. you got it done. Right, you got it done. So I have no problem with that. I have no problem with these kids moving around. You got to do what's best for you, and and if things if somebody else, especially these, you know these top schools, you're getting top level talent, and somebody comes in there, and, and some of it is timing. You know that's what's going to be real interesting to see what happens with Jaron Hall, because the, Zach Wilson's hurt. Well, I don't know what's going to happen here. Suppose he lights it up. And he's not, and it's yeah. not Wilson's out for the year. He's supposed to come back. Yeah, suppose this kid lights it up. What do you yeah. do? I hope, that, I hope they face that decision. So talking to Frank and Riley, who obviously both played quarterback in college, he's out six to eight weeks. 
that gets him back for maybe one, two, or three games at the end of the season. Yeah. But they were skeptical of the six to eight-week timeline. They're like, that's optimistic, and it could happen, but the thumb on your throwing figure, and you take one hit or you fall to the ground one time, they're... They were pretty skeptical about his ability to play. And it may work out for him. But to your point, it could work out for Hall, and he's playing great, and the competition is lesser at that point. San Diego State in the finale would be a little tougher. But that's the toughest of the final four games on paper by a wide margin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. By a wide margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you could see if, if Hall gets it going. Now you're basically throwing in his first-time starter with a little college experience. I don't know how high the expectation should be that he gets it going. or how Yeah, I know. I know. I got that. And it, was, it was a little yeah. up and down last year. Wilson in a similar spot. He hasn't played. Right. Now, you never Difference know. being he was a first-year freshman. Hall was right. in the ball club last year. So he's, he's had— been in the program longer, more yeah. snaps in practice. Right. He's watched more film. Right. So it he may has work a, out. He— on paper, has a better opportunity to be better earlier than Zach was last year because he was coming directly from high school. That doesn't necessarily play out. I I really don't know how it's going to play out. And the kid's got some good competition. I mean, traveling to South Florida isn't a walk in the park, but then certainly next week, Boise, and then I think they got to buy in Utah State. Those are tough games. Now, the following three games after that don't appear to be near as tough. And then you finish it up having to go down to San Diego against a, you know, a decent, maybe they're better than decent. We'll see how it goes. But at worst, they're a decent ball club in San Diego State. And then we'll see about the bowl game. So this is a phenomenal opportunity that this kid has worked for for a long time. And now it's here. And I do think it may not mean anything to us. And that's fine. But I do think it means something to other folks that look like him and are African-American. It means something to them. And this is maybe a small little thing in the grand scheme of things. I'm sure it is. But it's still... One more it, thing. It, it's it is worth thing. noting. South Florida, by the way, smoking UConn over the weekend. And UConn's bad. They are, yeah, yeah. South Florida's played a bizarre mix of really good and really bad teams. So they're 2-3 and three right now. But I don't know that they played anyone. I think everybody they played has either been much better than BYU or much worse than BYU. So they're kind of a predictable two and three from that regard. I don't know that we knew SMU would be this good. Plus, when you when you throw in the LDS Church around here, that just generates all sorts of stuff. I mean, there's supporters. Rocky Anderson, the former mayor, on Twitter over the weekend making comments that some people take as anti-LDS and blah, blah, blah. You know, if you can get inside people's hearts and get inside their homes, you find out what they really think. And I think we'd all be surprised what so many of us really think inside people's homes that we don't necessarily portray out in public. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Gary Anderson, Aggie football coach, coming up next. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The new AP Top 25 poll is out. Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Ohio State and Georgia tied for third. Utah moves up two spots to number 15 after having the weekend off. Monday Night Football features the Cleveland Browns, San Francisco 49ers, 6-15 kickoff on ESPN. Listen to the game here on the Zone Sports Network. Browns are 3-0. Patriots are the only other undefeated team in the NFL. They are 5-0 after beating Washington 33-7. Washington calling in head coach Jay Gruden and firing him earlier this morning. 
Kansas City falls from the ranks of the unbeaten, beaten by the Colts 19-13. Major League Baseball playoffs, four games today. Starts with Houston trying to sweep Tampa Bay, 11 a.m. on the MLB Network. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park right and save at Diamond Airport Parking. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. It's a football <laughs> Friday. Ron McBride and Alema Harrington. So we're playing Cal Berkeley. I mean, we're just kicking their, their butt. Right there you now. go. Good. <laughs> good, good check swing. That was well, good. Yeah, I cleaned up my language. <laughs> yeah, nobody believes that, Coach, but good job. <laughs> so then they said, okay, Ronnie Veal, you're up. Okay. Yeah. Goes in, throws a pick, right? Oh, Lloyd, you gotta dump that. that. (laughs) I'd rather rather you say the first word than that one. You just made this declaration to to the radio world. You sound like Scotty describing what's on our table. (laughs) Oh, shoot. There you go. Threw a pick. Yeah, Yeah, very much better. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, time to talk a little football with Gary Anderson, Utah State football coach. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Gary, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, that one's in the rearview mirror. How healthy are you coming out of that game? Uh, well, that's that going to be a work in progress. It's a bye week, so we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, the kids come in for the Sunday treatments, and then uh, we get a lot better ideas as they go through the day-to-day. We just finished up the the film review and uh, team meeting to review the game quickly, and then uh, they'll come in at one one forty-five, and I think we'll have a a much better idea as they get the the checkups and things that they need. So, but we've got we got some issues we got to deal with, and um, we'll see. But they'll they'll fight to get back and get ready, and and the young men that are ready to go will jump out on the practice field this afternoon and start to get ready for the next couple. How disappointing was it not to be able to get it in the end zone? Oh, there's a lot of disappointment in that game. Um, you know, disappointing to allow them to do some of the things that they did in a great team. And, you know, we knew walking into that game it was uh, nothing simple, but it's simple by comment, by just talking about what our goals were going through. We knew we were going to have to tackle three, in my opinion, elite running backs, and we didn't do uh, – a good enough job consistently with that to keep them behind the chains. Um, you know, we had an opportunity to jump in the end zone early on a turnover. We were down there basically three times in a position to be able to score points and touchdowns. We scored two field goals and uh, um, threw a pick on the other one, and, and it's just that's not good enough. And, you know, defensively we had huge opportunities on um, longer drives to be able to just drop right in our zone coverages, get a little bit better pass rush. So it goes on and on. You know, that to me, that's not a uh, – the score of the game is the score of the game. It's like I told the kids this morning. We had our opportunities, and I think that they need to learn from that and understand that uh, we should pride ourselves in getting in those moments and playing our tails off and doing what we can to, to uh, you know, represent ourselves well and, and the school well. But uh, 
you know, it's disappointing not to score touchdowns. It's disappointing to let them score as many points as they scored. So, uh, you know, special teams is disappointing to not block a punt that could change a game in, in, in our favor in a big way. And, uh, you know, we rough him, and that's a turnover. And so we got to look at all those things and understand we played a great opponent, um, respect that opponent, but know we can definitely get better. Speaking of turnovers, Jordan Love with the interceptions. You've gone back and looked at all of them because I was surprised to look at the stats after the game and see he's thrown more interceptions this year than touchdowns. And the only game he threw more touchdowns than interceptions was Stony Brook. Uh, You've looked at all of those. How many are on him? What can be done to limit those? Well, I think it's. I don't think it's Jordan Love throwing all the picks. It's all of us throwing all the picks, and that's the way I always look at that. Whether it's, you know, there's 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 11 guys out there every single snap, and there's four or five coaches that are coaching the kid at the same time, and so we all have to take a, take a, a look at it and dissect it and uh, work to clean it up. And none of us want that to happen in those positions and those settings. And so we're going to work hard to make it be right. And and Jordan will. Um, just uh, you know, stay tuned. He's going to play extremely well. I think it's very important for him. He knows uh, what uh, what he expects out of himself, what his team expects out of him, and his coaches, and there's every player around him. We've got to continue to help him get better. So it's uh, it is what it is, and we're not going to run from it. We're not going to hide from it. But uh, we're going to work to get better at it, and we will get better at it, all of us. And um, he'll he'll play very well moving forward, in my opinion. I think that uh, when you look at Utah State, it'll be judged on the success will be on the eight conference games. And then probably the BYU game is an interesting game as a a so-called non-conference game. But we all know about those implications. So with that in mind, how much time do you spend reviewing a game like LSU as opposed to just getting on? And I know you got the bye and then you got to get Nevada at the end of next week. So how much time do you spend on it as far as comparing it to moving on and getting ready for the next one? Well, you know, first of all, we'll, we'll judge ourselves harder than anybody. We'll judge anybody on the outside world, and these kids understand that. So we'll put a lot of time into this LSU film um, because we can improve. And uh, we spent an hour on it this morning. Position groups will come back and evaluate it a little bit more today. Yet to me, there's no, hey, let's burn that tape and move on and let's you know, throw it in a fire pit or whatever we're going to do. We're not going to do that. We're going to learn from it. We're going to study it. We played against a quality opponent. We need to evaluate it and dissect ourselves as much as we can. So that evaluation will continue for about another half hour probably as we get to the 145 meeting. we still got to watch the special teams and a little bit of offense and defense, and then we'll jump out on the practice field and start preparing uh, for our next two opponents with this bye week, we'll you know, do some preparation on Nevada, and we'll also do some preparation on Air Force. Uh, we're at the time of the year when we're going to spend two days on each one of those guys, and then we'll come back and obviously lock and load on, on Nevada when we get back here um, the first of next week. But we we have a, an opportunity to to gain some um, knowledge and some experience on our next two opponents, so we'll do that. But uh, there's there's you never lose a chance to learn. Um, whatever the environment may be. And we can learn a lot of things in this situation. We can learn about ourselves and the adversity that we look at um, and, and get better. Certainly Alabama and Clemson have pulled away from the rest of college football the way they've handled things the last few years. And maybe there's a group of teams that are kind of with them now, Ohio State and Oklahoma. Do you think LSU is of that caliber? Are they a cut or several cuts above most of what you see around college football? I don't know. Um, I think we'll find out, you know, in the next in the next couple of weeks as they go through there. Um, you know, it's uh, it was it was a great environment. Um, I've never been there on the sidelines. Been there in the stands once, but not in the sidelines. And um, 
they have elite looking football team and to this point in the year they've they've played to that elite form their scores would say that and that what they've done on the field would say that but to say where they're going to sit as they move through um you know who who knows uh, we'll have to see where they go i thought we uh held up very well in the line of scrimmages especially on the defensive side of the ball which was great to see and we expected to quite frankly and you know they they just made some tremendous plays you know the backside there's a couple big contested balls for deep throws that our kids are right there and they make some plays and that's what you do when you're a great team and they find a way to be a great team at the end of the year you, uh you make those plays in critical situations and uh you know so far they're doing it and able to win convincingly most weeks how much are money games worth it to you overall not just the bottom line financially but overall for the health of the program well it's uh you know those are discussions that are in my opinion need to be deep discussions and they need to be discussed within the whole department and understand you know where you're going and what are your goals um to me um where we are at Utah State, in this situation, in this setting, we should be working hard to get those games five to eight years in advance, um, and hopefully staying on the West Coast is where I would like to stay. You asked me the question, so I'm going to answer it. Sure. I'd like to stay on the West Coast um, as much as we can, and I'd like to get what we have with Washington State, as many ones and ones as we can. You come to us, we'll come to you. Those games are out there. They're very difficult to find, and you have to think way ahead of the game. You can't just be thinking two or three or four years in advance. It probably needs to be five to eight years in advance, and you'd be creative. And it's very difficult to do. Um, you know, this game, middle of the year, it's a tough it's a tough spot. I don't know how it was scheduled, why it was scheduled, or the timing of the schedule, um, but it's a tough one. There's no way you can look at it and say uh, that's that's where you would like it to be because it's in a, it's in a very difficult place and a very difficult time. Um, and, you know, happened to be this year just an extremely difficult opponent. So it is what it is. The schedule's there. There's no excuses for it. They're not sitting here saying, oh, we wish we wouldn't have played them. I'm glad we did. I think we learned a lot from it. I think our kids were in that moment, um, the ones that were prepared, were prepared and deserved to be in that moment and felt to be in that moment, I think played very, very well. And I'm sure some young guys looked at it and uh, said, holy cow, and, and adjusted to it and, and uh, played how they played in that game. So there's a lot of positives that come with it. But a scheduling theory to me is we are Utah State. We are in the Mountain West. If you don't want to come to us, then we shouldn't come to you. Um, and I don't know what that means in the big budget. I don't know if that's, oh, my goodness, there's no way we can do that because we have to have this game for the money or we're chasing this much money or there's a ground figure saying we need this much money for that game. I don't know that. But that's me as the football coach speaking. And, and I know there's a lot of coaches in the Mountain West that feel the same way. Um, and I've had conversations with them. But oh, ideally for your football team, you would like to say, if you want to come here and play, you will come there and play you. Um, some teams do that a lot, you know. I mean, San Diego State seems to get that done quite frequently. Boise seems to get that done quite frequently. And when Boise does go, usually they're going to go play somebody in a neutral side or whatever it is. And I know they're Boise, and they have that name over the years. Florida State this year was an example. That was a neutral site they were going to go play at. Didn't end up being, but it was scheduled to be. So uh, that's how I see it, you know. Uh, but you need a plan, and you need to jump on that plan. And to get it that way, if that is your plan, um, which that's not my decision to make those plans. That's other other decisions are made down those lines I'd like to be involved in it and five to eight years in advance to help this program for a long time to come not uh, not just the time that uh, you know we're going to be here yeah from the San Diego State perspective I think they catch a break there because people want to recruit Southern California and it's another way to you know make your program a little more visible down there do you think that for your program 
getting it into the opening week or two of the season, so it's not in the conference season. And, you know, I, I mean, I know you don't want to talk about C.O.C. Mariner's health probably specifically, but everybody sees him go down. I'm sure Aggie fans are thinking, oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, that, and but this is the first time, to my knowledge, it's been like this. It was going to, you know, just be, and again, why this game was scheduled at this point, I have no idea. I've never asked the question, nor do I feel the need to ask the question on why we scheduled this game this time of the year in that setting. It, it, it is it, it is what it is, and it was scheduled when it was scheduled. But yes, I mean, you would rather play these games at the first of the year. Um, and right out of the gate. The teams are unfamiliar with each other. Everything's different. Teams are not the same team. teams they are game one, in my opinion, as they are game four and game five. They're just not. They're not the same football team. They haven't played together They're in a game for the first time. There's a lot of things that go into that. And But, but then again, it, it, you got to look at it and say, okay, what is your ultimate goal? Is, is we have to have we have to have this check. Okay, if, that, if that's what we have to do, then let's say we have to have this check and understand where we're at and, and you know, that the expectations for your season at that point in your program is a little it's a little different in my opinion. So we you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too in those spots and those settings and you know, you gotta have a football program, you gotta have all the program football program needs to support the athletic program. Um, as a whole, and that is part of the drill. Um, but the opportunity for us to have it early, and that's been like that every time. So again, this seems to be a unique scenario. Was it ideal? No, I don't think anybody would say it was ideal, but it doesn't mean that it changed how we prepared, how we wanted to go play the game, or what our expectations were when we played the game. With the early signing period now, I think you're, what, you're in your second or third year uh, as far as that goes. And what's it in December as opposed to you still have the one in February, but you, the NCAA added this one. My thought to you is how important now is the in-season recruiting, particularly with this bye week, with that early signing period being what it is as opposed to pushing it back and waiting till February? Oh, I like both signing periods. You know, quite honestly, I like the early signing period for our opponents much more than I like the early signing period for us, to be quite honest. Um, if we're going to sign a young man in the early signing period, he has to be just a 100% absolute, hey, this guy is a difference maker. Because um, there's a lot of really good football players that don't sign early for a lot of different reasons. Some Sometimes overlooked, sometimes under-recruited, sometimes uh, because they don't want to sign yet, sometimes because they're so confused the list goes on and so we we like both signing periods um i think they're both going to help us in a big way now this year we're very different right now we have you know uh five initials left so six and maybe six initials left as we go through there so this signing class is going to be extremely small for us and uh that will include hopefully three or four missionaries on top of that and maybe a couple three or four push forwards on that but this class is going to be very very small so it's it's important when we do evaluate that we're evaluating what we see as definite needs and then when you put the transfer situation on on there we will recruit transfers um, and we'll be aggressive recruiting transfers and because uh, it's like the JC situation you have to really educate yourself on transfers just like you do um, on junior college kids often more so than you do on high school kids because their story is different and you have to make sure that they're a fit for us and a fit for Cash Valley so both signing signing periods are very important for us I don't put a higher value on one than the other How much negative recruiting do you face that's way out of the way. You won't be comfortable there, especially with African-American kids. You're not going to be comfortable in Utah. Has that kind of, I don't know, faded or you've kind of been able to change that narrative or is that something you have to battle all the time? 
No, I think it's, it's changed dramatically over the years, um, and there's there's always some you know a bit of negative recruiting, and I I think that to me negative recruiting is when somebody's really taking a shot at a coach or really taking a shot of a culture, or you know the the fact that uh, you know you they you tell the story of who or what that school is that you're recruiting against or what kind of offense they run or whatever it may be. Some of those things that people deem as negative recruiting to me is not negative recruiting. That's actually educating. Um, the kid that you want in your program and why this is a good place for him to be. Um, but as far as the social structure and things like that, that would be negative recruiting to me. Uh, we can overcome that very quickly when, when we get a young man or we can get a difference maker, whether that be a parent, grandma, grandpa, coach, uh, mentor, whatever it may be out here on a trip with them. And they, they see Cash Valley, they see the university, they understand the quality of life here and, and what it brings for the kids to be able to uh, be focused on school, be focused on their social life and you know, be focused on their athletic life. So it's a good spot for them to do that. But getting on campus usually takes away any of that negativity. Um, but we also do deem ourselves as a very special fit here. Um, Utah State is a special fit. There's lots of places in the country that uh, are a much different feel than we are. But we love our feel, and that's what we're going to recruit to. So um, if, if you don't like it when you walk in here and you're here for 48 hours, then you're probably not going to like it when you're here for six months or five years or whatever it may be. So probably need to find a different place. He's Gary Anderson. He's the head coach at Utah State, and he's got a bye week, so he might be at a high school game near you. Keep your eye out. <laughs> Gary, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Okay, appreciate you guys. Have a wonderful week. Go Aggies. Gary Anderson. Utah State football coach joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Action plumbing. DJ PK brought to you in part, and this is going to shock you, but it's brought to you in part by Action Plumbing. Action Plumbing, Heating, and Air are looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Superhero team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, and a 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Superhero team. 801-833-3333. That's Action Plumbing. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. It's a power eye look from the two. Under center, here comes Jacobs. Jumps, dives over the top. Touchdown! Touchdown, Raiders! Celebration explodes on the sideline. Let's go down to JT. Cars pointing to the crowd right here. He's running to the Raider Nation. The dive over the top. The Raider flags are out, and the Raiders take the lead, Brent. There's the Chevy Strong play of the game from London. Know it today at 450, and you can win fabulous prizes on the big show. Now let's find out who really sucked. As the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, This guy sucks. like a sucker punch. It's time to reward the losers in sports with another edition of This Guy Sucks. You suck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Sucked this weekend. That's uh, not just this weekend, but if we don't give it to Jay Gruden, when are we going to do it? He got fired this morning. This guy sucks. 
Washington's 0-5. Everybody from uh, Daniel Snyder. Daniel Snyder has a coach. When Daniel Snyder was the owner, no coach has had a winning record. It all goes back to the top. So, you put it on John, Jay, Joe, Jimmy, whatever It would be Jay in this case. Whatever or we can just put want. it on Daniel Snyder for make a difference. firing another coach. Yeah. And he didn't want to coach. This guy sucks. Haskins, but the other guys did. Now, he didn't want to play Haskins. If you have all this dysfunction, it's going to lead to the result that it leads to. It's, it's a no-brainer, these types of deals. If you have all these people going in all these different directions, you're going to have chaos, and you're going to have losing. It's a given. He's on the team for 20 years now. How's that gone? They so poo-poo. <laughs> well, he makes the change there. And now we await the next decision. I think he's got one or two playoff wins since he's been in charge. All right, anybody else you'd like to put on the hot seat? Oh, yeah, Who else absolutely. Sucked? My goodness, I got to go Kansas basketball. Come on. You bring in Calvin Broadus, and you expect him, he's going to put on a clean show. He has strength. This guy sucks. And he's dropping the F-bomb. If I pet a snake, what's going to happen? Uh, Likely to bite you. Yeah, I might bite you. The snake's going to bite me. Whose fault is it then? Jeff Long in Kansas' fault. If I say to a snake, are you friendly? Yes, I'm friendly. And then I pet it, and it bites me. It's a snake looks at you. Well, what do you think I do? Now you're going to bring in Snoopy, and what do you think Snoopy's going to do? You knew what I was before you <laughs> picked <on>. me up. <laughs> but he agreed. <laughs> and then he changed his mind in some of the language. He agreed. This goes back to Ed Sullivan in the doors. You're going way back. <laughs> so they brought the doors on Ed Sullivan. What were the? I can't remember the lyrics. I remember the story. Light my fire. Okay. You know we couldn't get much higher. You're not going to sing this, Jim, are you? No. <laughs> and what does he do? <laughs> no, you couldn't get much higher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, an iconic song. Right, right. And which seems so uh, just crazy <laughs> that they would talk about that. And then they also had... The, uh, well done, Yacht. The Stones. What, let's spend the night together. Yes, the Stones. Let's spend well. some time together. Oh, police. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going for a bike ride in the park. <laughs> Here we are. Right. I mean, the doors have, you know, what, 10 songs that just resonate for 50 years and probably will resonate for however long there's life here on this planet. How long do you folks think there's going to be life on this planet? Yuck! Yeah, well, well, second coming's coming pretty quick. Got another, thousand, oh, another thousand years beyond that. Who oh, knows? Oh, man, I'm in trouble. So, you bring in Snoop, and what do you expect he's going to do? Well... <laughs> <laughs> got to issue 
the, okay, how about, the apologies. How about they had other stuff and there's time for people to clear out? The people who don't want to see Snoop, don't they have time to leave? Is it really that Well, and they deal? said that they moved his performance to after the basketball yeah, stuff. Yeah. Right, so there's In time the, after it to, yeah. to leave and but the people still. are left. You yeah, but if they told you that this, this big famous dude was going to be here and it was going to be kid-friendly, the whole night was going to be kid-friendly because they probably advertised it as family fun. Because they still do it. A lot of teams. Remember, Midnight Mass used to be a big deal. Yep. Because they could do it at midnight at October fifteenth. Yeah. I think. Late night at the Fog yeah. is what they call now, it. Now they start practice. I don't know whenever they. Oh, that's all. Whenever it's one month they, before yeah. your first game. So the Midnight Madness has sort of gone away. And then then they'll have later a team activity. What, what do they call it at BYU? They call it Night with the Running Utes. And then BYU has something. Boom shakalaka or yeah, something. Boom shakalaka. Yeah. And so, I mean, they have opportunities there. But if you're going and you've been and you're and it's advertised as such, and then you bring in this guy and he's he does he does what he does. Well, the funny part is this brings the whole thing around because we started this segment off of Snoop Dogg criticizing then Pittsburgh offensive coordinator Todd Haley. That's yes. where we got this from. This guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that is Snoop. So it brings it all the way full circle. Beautiful. But I just saw that. I thought, what did you expect? Uh, family friend. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, anybody in baseball? A lot of uh, high pressure play. What do you think about Kershaw giving up a run in the first, two in the second? Yeah, the bases loaded with one out in the first. I was surprised he got out of that with as little damage as he did. But well, he did a have a quality start. They scored if the Dodgers scored five. He runs, settled down after the second. Uh, Kershaw really he he right. raw shaky start and he really gutted it out. But he wasn't there for game three when they scored ten. He was there for game two when they got beat. Yeah, so if support. he gets up three in as you say last night and he goes six innings and only gives up three. Well, Kershaw, man, he really limited that high-powered offense of Washington. But no, they didn't. And, but I totally thought of what you said. And on what's Thursday. his face? Strasburg was just on. He was on fire. So man, Kershaw, he's a bum. <laughs> I totally thought about what you said about on Thursday, though. If Kershaw goes out there, the first time he gives up a hit, shoulders are going to slump, and everybody behind home plate. Oh, here we go I think again. It was the leadoff hitter, right? Yeah, they had Turner. the bases loaded with one out. I was watching the game. I was thinking, well, this is what PK was talking about. He walked a dude the, and he hit somebody. The vibe in the ballpark isn't good. I know. I felt bad for him. I fi- I mean, but I gotta say, I thought it was a year, and I'm feeling bad for him. I know, and I gotta say, I thought it was going to be four nothing at the end of the inning. It wasn't. It was not. No, I'm only... surprised how well he did. And then who? What? Uh, somebody did Rendon hit one out? Somebody or hit a double or something in the second inning? Yeah, but it, it, he very well could pitch game five, which would be in Dodger Stadium, right? Doesn't it go two two one? Correct, two two one. Yeah, so if I'm Kershaw, I'm thinking, oh, please. Come on, guys. win game four. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not about game five. Whenever pitching set up, I'm looking at game one in the NLCS. If you lose game two, it's a big difference between losing game two and losing game five in a best of five. True. See if the Dodgers get it done in game four. I'll be pulling for him. Is Larry the Laker in some kind of, I've been looking for him on Twitter. I should search his account. Is he, has he been in some kind of self-imposed uh, radio silence here? Uh, maybe so. Because during the I'm regular not. season, I couldn't avoid him on Twitter. Anytime it went on, there was Larry commenting on the Dodgers. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be a happy Dodger fan. No, he wanted Ooh, to rip them. Angry. And they won seven division titles in a row. And they won 106 games, but he yeah. wants a World Series. It's been 30 and, and years. I, and I get it, yeah. 31, right? Choking in the postseason, a Dodger tradition well, like no other. He was there last night. They yeah. won 10-4, and he thinks they're choking. Well, they were down. 
And, you know, they didn't come alive until late again. I got to say this. If the Dodgers do not win the World Series this year, this is the biggest choke since Romney in 2012. <laughs> That's a 14th reference this morning, people, if you're just joining Top the that. Top the Donald T. Trump reference on your guy, Mitt Romney. The biggest. What is the biggest choke since Romney in 2012? Join Hans and Scotty Friday from noon to 3 as Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, surgery, or needles.